Hi, and welcome to episode 145 of No Crying in Baseball. The 2.7 is the new one episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth, who just gave me a quizzical look like you're throwing math at me already. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that that, uh, explanation. I can tell you right now. All right. So 2.7 times 60 gives you the 162 games Mm. of the regular season. I did not do this math. I'm just repeating this math, but it is true. So anything that happens this season, you can multiply by 2.7 to see what it would look like if we, if all things being equal, it just sort of, you know, extrapolated into the full season. Like if you have a three game hitting slump, you multiply Uh it by 2.7 and you think, oh hell, I've got an eight game, you know, hitting slump. Or number of home runs for the season, that kind of thing. Right. And so um, this made me very happy when F.P. Santangelo, one of the Nats commentators, posted, go 2.7 and 0 today. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, That's really good. All right. I'm going to take a drink while you rattle things off. Oh, okay. Well, the other thing I was going to rattle off was that there's no Hall of Fame induction today. Today was going to be the day that Derek Jeter and Larry Walker and some other folks were inducted. And I was reminded because my brother-in-law texted me saying, hey, the family and I were in Cooperstown yesterday because they live very close to Cooperstown and they were the only ones not wearing Jeter jerseys, which made me think (laughs) just how many people showed up in Cooperstown anyway, even without the induction ceremony. Now I'm worried about everybody's um, health, but is everything's closed though. Is the, is the museum open? I think it's open uh, with very strict, you know, attendance and admittance and all of that kind of thing. But there certainly was no giant crowd officially for the induction ceremony. But apparently a lot of people were still there and still supporting their guy, not my guy, Derek Jeter. So when is, is, are they going to let them celebrate next year? Like what's the plan for making Yeah, next year they'll have a double class, I guess. Oh, wow. That'll be a big crowd. It will be a big crowd, which means that Omar Vizquel will have to share, you know, shortstop glory. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. And when we make the trek, it will be all Omar. That's right. On today's show, Black Lives Matter and social justice unity on opening day, including some cross-training with the WNBA. We've got opening weekend highlights and, and weird lights. And uh, how's that runner on second working out for you? It depends what position you play, I think. More on COVID-19 testing and how it's affecting games in progress. Um, This week in Racist Team Names, we're proud to welcome the grooming segment back to the show. And as always, international baseball. I'm happy to say that the Black Lives Matter thing is out there strong. And it's interesting to see sort of the reaction. I mean, we'll go through all the many things that are happening, But I feel like there are two extremes on Twitter anyway. You know, there are the folks who, and it's just, it's fucking hysterical, who are like, I'm done with baseball, goodbye. And it's like, like I could care, you know, like I'd rather (laughs) not have racists in the stands. So if you want to just like, you know, when the stands come back, that is. But if if you want to take yourself out, that's the weeding out is fine. And then there are people sort of on the other end who are very much um, understandably questioning the integrity of the whole thing. And is it performative? Is it genuine? And I think time will tell on that. Um, but, you know, I feel like I'm sort of stuck in the middle or, or happily in the middle. And I'm, I'm super appreciative of the stuff that's happening. The first thing I think that I noticed when watching the games on opening day was that the MLB BLM anagram just kind of mm-hmm. works, right? So they had the, the MLB uh, silhouette thing you know etched on the pitcher's mound but it was blm 
And right. was and that so, everywhere? I saw it on the two games that I saw, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was. And um, the important thing about the, the logo is it was the inverse of the logo. So the white batter becomes a black batter when you do the inverse. That is a good thing. So that's it's an important step, I think. It's an important statement for people to see. I am very happy with the Red Sox for putting a big ass banner outside Fenway Park on the Mass Pike. And, you know, when you're driving by Fenway on the Mass Pike, there's a lot of traffic there. And it says Black Lives Matter in the Red Sox font. And the the spokes dude for the Red Sox said that they are purposely trying to amplify Black Lives Matter this season. And for a team with a shitty history, a lot of racist issues, you know, the whole Yaki thing and, and plus Tory Hunter, and there's just so many instances of people feeling bad about Boston. They have a lot to make up for. And that's my team. And I'm sticking by them and I'm, I'm encouraging this improvement. So I thought that was super nice to see. It is super nice to see. So um, Andrew McCutcheon, former um, boyfriend of mine, is ostensibly the person behind the giant ribbon that you may have seen and that all the players held on to before every game, although it was billed as player-led, not specifying players. It's one of those things where, you know, it kind of leaks around and it ends up Mm -hmm. possibly being Andrew McCutcheon. But the important thing is it was a good symbol. If you didn't see any of the the pregame ceremonies this past weekend, there was a very long ribbon that stretched along both infield lines so the home team and the visiting team all spaced you know six feet apart all spent some time in the pregame holding this ribbon together showing a sign of unity and what the teams did with that was kind of up to them uh, for instance you know, the the first game of the season was the nationals hosting the yankees the yankees actually requested a minute of silence so they could all kneel while holding the ribbon and so the nationals also did that Although it looked a little awkward, like what are we supposed to do? Like yeah, oh, that we, minute when they all went down. Yeah, yeah. and then and then they, everybody stood up for the anthem, and, and I'm, I feel I, I kind of like there being like a, you know this unifying ceremony. Mm-hmm. I also am I find it interesting that there is this thing that's separate from the anthem because the anthem is so fraught now. Like everybody has these super strong feelings about what it means if you're standing or you're kneeling or you're, you mm-hmm. got your hand on a teammate's shoulder or whatever it is you're doing. And that's very charged. So this kind of created a separate thing, but it didn't eliminate whatever people wanted to do for the anthem. And it just lasted for opening day, too. I mean, they're not going to keep that up. So now there's going to be the anthem thing from here on in. Right. And it's, I think it's really, it's really important because this, that was a ceremony, which is not mm-hmm. a protest. Right. Right. And so the ceremony is lovely, but what comes next? What are you as individual teams? What are you as individual players or executives? What are you as um, as fans? What are Mm -hmm. you doing next? Well, you depending on how you feel about this. What is your next step? How do you keep this going? It was a beautiful ceremony ish. You know, (laughs) it was awkward, but it was it had a really good idea behind it. But now what? Yeah. And so the, a couple of things about that. One is during that ceremony, they played a speech by with Morgan Freeman talking about and it was very focused on unity. Like today, t- the key line was today we are one. Which I couldn't hear or see because I was watching the ESPN feed and huh. they were looking at the players and they, they showed that it was happening on the, the scoreboard. But they That's weren't showing the video. So did That's you see ESPN. it during the game? 
Uh, no, I saw it in like a, a rerun, you know, like a, I looked it up on Twitter kind of thing. Yeah, so you have whatever. to do that. You have to work yeah. to see this thing that was part of this unifying ceremony. You know, ah. that's interesting because that's ESPN and we are there not my favorite people. So nope. I'm, I'm, you know, very ready to give them a little bit of more blame, whether they fucking deserve it or not. Uh, so there, there was that part. And then the, the next thing I was going to say is the next night, uh, only two Yankees kneeled. And so then we get down to the, the count, right? Who's kneeling? Who's not kneeling? Why are they kneeling? How many from each team? And I've even had friends post like, well, my team only had two people kneeling. So I obviously have to change teams because that's not good enough. And I am it's stressing me out just a little bit. I, and I also like that the Yankees were the ones who said, let's have this minute of silence so right. we can all kneel. So they had all just been kneeling. Right. But and then I think the part anthem, of them. And I think part of that was the awkward thing. Like, OK, now we all stand up. Oh, crap. It's the anthem. What do I do? Do I go back down? Do I? I mean, so it was awkward. Yeah. Well, this was the next night, though, when there was oh. no ceremony and it was oh. just the anthem. And it okay. was only and I didn't write this down. So I'm I'm going to lie with exact figures. I believe it was Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Hicks were the two who were kneeling. So what does that mean? There were only a couple of Red Sox kneeling, too. And one was Alex Verdugo, not, you know, my not my favorite Red Sox for for by far, because he has a very substantial sexual assault allegation against him. Um, so so where do you go with that? I mean, I feel like with our baseball boyfriend thing, we've each picked a guy per team that we love. We can maybe evaluate them a little bit on this. I feel like I get some extra points when a guy's kneeling. But does it mean that they're against it if they don't? You know, it's it's hard to interpret. Unless you are the Giants reliever, Sam Coonrod, who I'd never heard of before. Apparently, I think all the Giants knelt, including Gabe Kapler, except for this dude. And he was vocal about why he wasn't kneeling. And that makes the exception. I mean, I feel like if, if somebody's not kneeling and they're, you know, it's the anthem, whatever, you know, that kind of excuse, I don't know. As long as you're doing something else that shows that you're supporting Black Lives Matter, especially. But he said, I'm not kneeling because I'm a Christian. And it was a very loaded statement. And he said that he does not kneel except for before God. That seems a little sketchy to me. Adam Wainwright, actually, of the Cardinals, replied sort of specifically saying, I'm a Christian. I knelt because my teammates talked to me and told me about how important it was to them. And, and now I respect these guys and I'm supporting it. And crap, if I can't remember who started the whole um, Texas Rangers video, but he also said, because of my Christian background, I feel it is important to huh. listen and to respect and to uh, and to show this caring and you know for others and he cited Adam Wainwright also but it's for him it's because of his faith that he feels like he needs to participate because that's you know in a good point depending on how you read things that should be what you stand for if you are a Christian and it's not always we know this because right. it, yeah yeah it's everything is fraught Everything is fraught. So on the Blue Jays, their outfielder, Anthony Alford, um, had a beautiful statement where he talked about his own experiences and also said, I have a uniform, and he said, which is kind of a shield that now sort of protects him huh. from some That's of this racism, but it didn't mm -hmm. in the past. And he says, I need to speak out for those who can't. So he's using his uniform privilege in this case to speak out. And I... Now, I didn't start paying attention to what was going on there until I saw that um, that um, Biggio on his team posted that 
I didn't come prepared to kneel, but I saw that that Alfred kind of wanted to, but seemed like he needed more support to do it. So I said, I will kneel with you if that will help you do what you think is best. Alfred said I would have done it anyway, but he appreciated the support. And also, um, so um, Vlad Jr. knelt and said, yeah. you know, this, this, you know, this hurts my heart. I need to do this. Um, Alfred, in addition to have this very public, wonderful, heartfelt statement, also had cleats on that bore the image of Ahmad Arbery, who was a black man who was fatally shot by three white men while jogging this past February. So that, um, just so you know, the whole cleats, like, you know, it's not just players weekend anymore. Cleats are now sort of excused during the shortened season. Oh, so players wow. can do what they want with the cleats. They don't fall under that. You can't have any fun at all with your uniform rule that's been in in, you know, except for players weekend. So he did that. So he made a statement top to bottom, vocally, visually with his teammates. So that was, that was pretty cool. I, I guess sort of related to that is the patch thing, right? So there are a couple of patches. I know one says Black Lives Matter. I'm not sure what the other one says, but they're optional, but you can put them on your uniform without a problem, right? So they're sort of approved. Right. Uniform. There was a unity one too. There was one of those. Okay. That um, was it. United for Change, I think, was was the other mm -hmm. one. But that was from the Players Alliance. Those were provided not by MLB. And this is important because I, for sure, thought that those patches and the Black Lives Matter shirts that you've been seeing in, in batting practice were something that MLB handed out, which made me feel itchy about it. Because when MLB yep. hands it to you, it's sort of like, this is part of your job to wear this. Right. Whether you do or not, it's still job related. But that's not where it came from. It came That's from really the Players Alliance. And and folks, go back five weeks. We talked about the Players Alliance in episode 140 and what they were doing and how at that point they pledged to have weekly calls to action. And there's a whole bunch of players involved. I'm guessing there's a lot more now. And the video that we highlighted then was actually played on the big screen Jumbotron trademark, whatever kind of screen they have at the Mets uh, Braves game. So the Players Alliance has made a big impact is what what i would guess and and why don't why don't you go off on kyle schwarber can i go off on kyle schwarber i'm gonna give you the stage for that <laughs> here's the thing i have a long-standing distaste for kyle schwarber and it's joe buck's fault it's back from the world series <laughs> when my cleveland baseball team was playing the cubs and joe buck couldn't shut the hell up about kyle schwarber no matter who was actually on the field Joe Buck was like ready to propose to Schwarber. There was some serious love there. And, you know, God love you. You marry who you want to marry, buddy, but not on my time. All right. So I <laughs> I have this like deep-seated dislike, dislike for Schwarber, absolutely tainted by that World Series and Joe Buck. And then Kyle Schwarber, who chooses to wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt for batting practice, because as we just pointed out, they were a gift from the Players Alliance. They were a choice. You could wear it or not, and some people didn't, and some people did. He wore his, but on his head, he wore a Chicago Police Department cap. And fuck him for that. Such a bad take, such a bad look. Are you not paying fucking attention, Kyle Schwarber? Even my mm -hmm. kid who has teased me mercilessly for what she th thought was my unfounded dislike of Kyle Schwarber walked in, showed me that picture and said, you were right all along. You were right. He sucks. You must be pissed because I think you said fuck before I did this episode, which is that's got to be historic. Well, I'm mad. Damn it. I don't blame you. And see, did you see you. how? But see, you you pointed that out because it's so rare. You know that it means more when <laughs> yep. I do it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> see, I made it be a ladylike thing. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> totally appropriate. The appropriate use of fuck. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you.
So you had talked about how these weren't MLB endorsed, but I think what's nice about it is that MLB still has their back. And mm. I've been sort of shocked, impressed, surprised by MLB's social media and that they're very much supporting this and the folks who are like, you know, goodbye baseball, good riddance. And uh, somebody, and I forget what the original statement was on Twitter, but it was one of those goodbye baseball people for the the kneeling for the pledge. And MLB supported, uh, responded saying supporting human rights is not political. And they also said, and then the guy came back at them and they said, it has never been about the military of the flag. The players and coaches are using their platforms to peacefully protest. And I think that's an important point for everyone to remember that this is not about the flag. Look back at Colin Kaepernick's original process he went through for coming up with kneeling. It's a respectful act. They're not protesting the flag. That's a total like gaslighting thing. Anybody that talks about it and for MLB to come out there and say it, I'm, I'm happy with that. So that second line, I am especially, I'm very happy with. I think that supporting human rights is not political is not true. Human rights is exceedingly political at all times. It may not be partisan. They may have meant partisan there, but they said mm. political. It's absolutely political because who, who can protect human rights? Laws, laws protect human rights. That's political. It is in fact political. It is not partisan. If, if you want to go into sort of the, the origin of it and the, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights by the United Nations, I think the original intent was to make it non-political, you know, to say that human rights are universal. This is a declaration for the whole world. It's not country bound. I think that was the intent. But I think that you're right, that what has happened is that politics have become a means of dealing with people's feelings about parts of human rights that maybe they don't actually agree with there are human yes. beings that they, they are, are not willing to give rights to. I think human rights as, as a thing is a moral, ethical, global issue, but politics is kind of fucked with it. Well, sure. And the fact that the second line was about the military and the flag and mm -hmm. politics should not be reduced to the military and the flag. Pol politics has a much wider net. So I'm, I'm glad they they came back with more supportive tweets. Absolutely. That made it much yeah. better because that Absolutely. first one was like, mm, you're dodging, you're yeah. dodging, um, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, and saying it's political right. is not necessarily wrong, but you're dodging. But the, the their their second point was very well taken. Absolutely. Briefly, cross-training with the WNBA, who also started Woo. this weekend, um, they have, as a as a league, have dedicated their season to Brianna Taylor and the Say Her Name Foundation, which um, works to pro protect justice for women of color. And they are very visible about this and very vocal. In fact, several players have opted out of the season in order to be political, in order to be advocates and to work on social justice issues, not necessarily for COVID related things, but actually for activism things. And the league has let them do that. They have, so they're, they're in a bubble. They are playing games in a bubble. It's so, called a wobble. Have you seen that? Is that it a wobble? cracked me up. It's a wobble because it's oh. the WNBA. I love that. So is the other one the, the mubble? I mean, come on. No. So their court is painted with Black, Black Lives Matter. There are cleats. There are um, Brianna Taylor's name is on a lot of the jerseys. You know, cleats say, say her name. They are very visible, but also very vocal. 
And I believe there's some fundraising in there as well. So I'm really happy with how WNBA has taken this on player led, fully top to bottom United as a league. Yeah, yeah. Go women. And I think one interesting thing that I just saw, and I don't remember what team it is, but taking it a step beyond kneeling and walking off the fucking court when the anthem comes out. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So that's happening. All right. All right. Hey, we are just about to close opening weekend. We are recording after the Sunday day games and before Sunday night baseball. So we've got most of opening weekend under our belts. So we've got some highlights and some weird lights for you. So I'm taking one more sip of beer before we launch into this. You go. Yeah, I'll join you. All right. Anthony Fauci, America's favorite doctor, had a terrible first pitch. God love him. He joked later. He apologized and said, you know, I used to play shortstop, so maybe my inclination was to throw to first. That's adorable. I saw a pregame thing of him and Zim and Z- and him talking about being nervous about it and Zim kind of coaching him through it and telling him to practice. And apparently words of wisdom did not go through. I guess he's been busy with this whole pandemic thing, but Tops oh, yeah. um, did create a baseball card for him where he is. Uh, it doesn't show the pitch. I mean, it's like while he's just standing on the mound, but wearing a mask. So <laughs> that is kind of awesome. Can I just say the best thing that ESPN did for me this weekend is it makes me dislike Joe Buck less. Okay. Because I'm to follow that. that means you like him more. Uh, yeah, but more than not at all. Okay. So it just makes ESPN so far in the basement right now because God, I hate watching games on ESPN because they don't talk yeah. about the game we're watching, no matter who is calling the darn game. Although I watched one game that ended up being, I couldn't believe. Okay. So also I like Chipper Jones. I dislike him less than I used to now wow. because he and Boog were calling a game and I can't remember which one. And they spent more, a higher percentage of the time talking about the game they were calling than any other pair of ESPN commentators this weekend. And the I watched is low. The part is low. C, that's it. I was like, Hey, these guys aren't bad. Who is that? Oh, hell that's Chipper. Wow. Okay. So the thing about Joe Buck is, so, you know, over the course of the weekend, some of the games moved to Fox. So you got Joe Buck and John, John Smoltz, who are very, very one-sided. They definitely let you know who mm-hmm. they are for. Um, I recently rewatched the World Series games and they were all sure the Astros were going to win the entire time and they almost never wavered in that. And this weekend, um, you know, they called one of the, the Nats Yankees games and they were all about the Yankees, even when the Nats came back yes. and Fuck won that. the game. Fuck A-Rod. Fuck that. Absolutely. But, but you know what? But no, 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 this was Joe Buck. And this was, this was the second game. This was Joe Buck. Oh, and okay. Cause Smoltz. I heard the A-Rod on the oh, first absolutely. game. Yeah. 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 I've, I've, yeah. But I've lost ESPN. Forget that. Mm-hmm. But, but Buck and Smoltz, talked about the game the entire time. You might not agree with what they're saying, but they didn't do things that distracted you from the game. If they were talking about what this pitcher did it 10 years ago, it was because that's what the pitcher that you were watching had done. Not because, oh, here's a funny story to tell you. So, wow, I, the bar is so freaking low that I don't hate Joe Buck anymore. I don't like him, but there I you go. I wonder if they're listening to like fan uh, uh, feedback. Oh, my God. ESPN got raked over the coals, didn't they? Yeah. Understandable. I have a happy. I want a happy. Yeah. A happy is Daniel Bard, who was a wonderful pitcher for a short while with the Red Sox. Actually, not too short. I think it was there for like five years. Mm, I should have looked that up. In the beginning of the 2000s. I'm sure it was like 2010 to 13, maybe even started before then. But has not pitched since then. So the count is actually 2,646 days 
since he last pitched, Daniel Bard is now pitching with the Rockies. And I guess what happened in, in the meantime is he did a lot of struggling and soul searching and trying to get back up and ended up, oh shit, I think it was with the D-backs for a while that he was a sort of a mental skills coach and then thought, I want to give this a try again. He had three kids. He had sort of had this, this whole mental shift and he's now pitching relief for the Rockies, but he got a win on his first day back. And that's what's <laughs> fucking awesome. You know, you're not pitching for seven years. You come back in opening day and get the win at 35 years old. And the best quote was him coming out of the field saying that was fun. Oh, yay. It's supposed to be fun. Thank God. That yeah. is a happy. I like that happy. Can I tell you a little bit about the, the no fans in the stands? fascination mm -hmm. so some ballparks have the cutouts of fans and some like nats park have lots of advertising to make up for the fact that potty mouth and i aren't there buying beer so they have to come <laughs> up with that that extra cash somehow um and some like oh i'm so sorry that they did this to you wrigley but fox put cgi fans in the stands that got universally trashed what oh that's such a bad idea they were such horrible yeah they were horrible they were hilarious because they really made a point of putting like a handful of them in brewers logos but mostly they were <laughs> you know in cubs logos but they they didn't show them all the time and they weren't like going for the ball when the ball went that way. So it was, it was stupid and weird and creepy. So everybody who said anything about them hated them. So later on in the day when more games showed up on Fox, they didn't even try. So I think that was their experiment, which failed, but a couple <laughs> things about um, the cutouts. Um, I can't remember where, I think it might've been in San Diego where someone hit a home run right through a cutout, a, a person's head, um, which I think that Ooh. means that person who paid for that cutout gets something. But um, in Mets land, Adam Duvall hit a home run that hit a cutout of Jeff McNeil's dog in the, oh. in the stands. There were there was like nothing in this entire section except for three dog cutouts. And I don't know if all three of them were player dogs, but he pretty much nailed um, Jeff McNeil's dog right on the little puppy nose. And that would be I hope my Mets baseball boyfriend for I think it's for this year. I get I, think, I lost. I think it might be. I know I lost track up too. But um, but the they he went ahead and posted a, a photo of his actual dog, not the cutout, saying he's fine. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> don't good. worry. That's don't worry. totally she's reassuring. Fine. I think her name might be Millie. I don't know, but she's very cute and she's fine. But yeah, but I, I have enjoyed what the cutouts provide to the commentators, even Buck and Smoltz. Okay. The foul ball got hit. It landed in a bunch of um, cutouts. So like, whoa, the fans couldn't make that play. <laughs> That's awesome. So so there, there could be a little bit of fun in there. I really do like them. I, I wish that we had those in our, in our home park. Yeah. The, the games that I was watching, because the Red Sox don't have those either. So yeah. I was a little sad. Although along with that banner, I forgot to mention, the Red Sox do have a Black Lives Matter banner in the outfield. Oh. And, yeah. So nice. that's they so they're they're trying. They're doing well. But I'm realizing like as I just said, who's my boyfriend? I have to go back to our boyfriend list because with this lag and you know, I just don't exactly remember who my boyfriend is and I don't know who is on our the teams that I love as well. Like once in a while someone will come up and I'll be like, "Wait, they're on you know, Nats or Red Sox." And I got introduced to a new Nat in a not so good way. There apparently is a new backup catcher, Trace Barrera, who I hadn't 
not been paying attention. I did not pick up on that. And uh, his introduction to me was an 80-game suspension without pay for testing positive for, I'm going to pronounce this, I am, deep breath, dehydrochloromethyltestosterone. I think I did it. I think you did it. That's awesome. He's saying the... I not on purpose in supplements, that whole thing, you know, I don't know who knows whose story is true, but, but that's not the way that I wanted to be, you know, introduced to the new Nats backup catcher. Easy come, easy go. We haven't really met him yet. So we won't miss him so much. Although apparently catchers are like, you know, dropping like flies. We'll talk about that more as we get to COVID testing. Oh my God. You know, the, what the one thing about, you know, this, the, we're, ta- we're going to talk about rules and stuff like that as well. And the universal DH rule, uh, the first DH in a National League park was Giancarlo Stanton, and he hit a home run. And maybe, so like us being anti Yankee, I guess you could come back and say, well, like, fuck it, maybe that's what made the Yankees win in, in that opening night. But I, kind of feel like I'd rather watch a home run than a pitcher suffering. That's just me. So um, I'm going to let that go because I love you <laughs> and I just don't have the energy for that. But I <laughs> got it. But that game was also unfortunately cut short by rain. And this is part of the new world order. They had played more than five innings. So it was an official game. So they just stopped. They just stopped and called it a Yankees win. And the Nats are famous for late inning comebacks. So I'm a little ticked about the whole thing. But holy mother of God, the weather that night was nuts. So I'm glad they didn't try to come back that night and play. But yeah, this is part of the new world. We're not going to reschedule games very much. We're going to just, if they're a full game, we're just going to call the game. And that's it. I was honestly happy, though, that I wasn't watching that from under the, you know, the covering where the rain blows in, where we would usually be standing. Like, we would have been there, and we would have been wet, and we would have been standing for a couple hours wet, waiting for the Yankees to come back, which actually happened to us last year with the Yankees. Oh, hell. Yeah, fuck the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. So the other rule change that had a lot of of action this weekend was the, when we go to extra innings – the inning will start with a runner on second. And as a mm-hmm. quick reminder, the person who will be placed on second is the person who made the last out the previous inning. So the person who comes before the current person at bat. So interestingly for the Angels, this happened and Shohei Otani made the last out of the ninth inning. So he was placed on second base for the next hitter as they went into the 10th. And then Otani then made the next out. So he now has made two consecutive outs in a major league game. He made the last out in the ninth and the first out in the 10th. And that never happens. Well, and th- that's interesting that he's on that, that side of the bat because today when he, he, he debuted for pitching today and he didn't make it the inning. Oh he boy. Didn't, he didn't make it an out the poor dude. So wow. I maybe he's still very, reeling from the whole yeah. making two outs in like a five minute period. Um, the first game where this rule took effect was the A's game, which ended with a grand slam by my former boyfriend, Matt Olson. So hooray Woo. for that. Atlanta went to extra innings and that was notable because um, baby Contreras Wilson's little brother got a start. Um, we'll see why later on in the show. Um, but he also was like the hero of the game. He, he, um, his RBI Aww. was that was the winning run um, from. So there are a lot of people like so Atlanta, very excited about this new rule because it worked in their favor, for instance. And I'm sure Oakland fans don't hate it right now. Um, the 
Cleveland team was on the wrong end of that. And Mike Clevenger, very outspoken pitcher for the Cleveland team, is ticked. But his tickness of the whole thing <laughs> is because it sort of disrespects the bullpen. He said, do you know how hard it is to get on base? Oh. You know, when you are facing a bullpen pitcher, clearly not a Nationals bullpen pitcher, because for a while that was pretty easy to do, but not so much now. <laughs> but he, but so in their case, in the Cleveland case, even though the pitcher is not responsible, it's not an earned run if that runner scores, that relief pitcher still got the loss. But they didn't put that runner on. So, you know, it's cool that Clevenger stuck up for that because for a starting pitcher, right? To, to stick up for the bullpen because those guys are so much more expendable. And so it's going to be much harder for them to speak their mind. They're probably, you know, voicing the same sort of concern as what yeah. Clevenger said. So uh, that's, that's nice that he stuck up for them. I, I have a funny pitcher story actually from the, uh, I think it was the first Red Sox O's game. It was because we, we saw part of this and we caught this. Oh, my gosh. It was the, the, the good one, the one good one out of the three. And Nate Evaldi. Oh, no, a, you must be talking about a different game then because the Orioles <laughs> won two, but not that one. So that wasn't right. a good one. That's yeah. exactly why I enjoyed this one so much. And actually, I got home. Uh, I had been out and I got home in the fourth inning and I was like, it's still, still the fourth inning. It turned out that the fourth inning was very long, but an inning before that, apparently what happened in the third is Evaldi's number 17. And in the third inning, he was wearing number seven and everybody was very confused. And then back in the fourth, he was number 17 again. And what the deal is, is that Christian Vasquez, the catcher is number seven. And so they both had hanging shirts next to each other. Like they both, change shirts in between and he just grabbed the wrong one and was out there for the inning in the wrong shirt. So because we don't follow in my house, follow the Red Sox very closely. We, my kid and I were watching the game. We're like, seven is a super low number for a for picture. <laughs> Why does he have number seven? And we just kind of, you know, filed that away. And then later on, we're like, wait, he's wearing 17. I swear to God. And my kid's like, no mom, for sure. It was That's seven before. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, his his line was that the uh, the sleeves were a little tight, which is such bullshit because Christian Vasquez is like built like he is muscle man. <laughs> so he was trying to pump himself up a little bit there. A couple of the COVID related things that are that we've seen during this opening weekend is home run celebrations and, you know, the players just being friendly and how how it's actually playing out compared to how it's supposed to play out. In some cases, you know, I watched a lot of Nats games this weekend, so I apologize that my examples are very much Nats centric, but so Victor Robles was very late getting to training because he was on the, the doomed flight from the Dominican Republic. So he didn't get cleared uh, yeah. until a few days before opening day. So he was careful. So when he scored a run, he came back and he was like air high-fiving people and very clearly staying away and not touching anybody, you know, and, you know, waving, waving hands around when um, at the end of the game that the Nats won yesterday, they were doing like these little hip checks and like elbow things. Like when they did the, the line at the end of the game, they were yeah. not high-fiving. They were very clearly doing today. Trey Turner hits a home run, comes back into the dugout and runs and jumps into Kurt Suzuki's arms. Oh no. So I'm like, okay, you guys are just going to take each other out. That's okay. But but, you know, if you watched, a lot of bullpens were just behaving the way they always have. Yeah. Guys, like, oh, who was it? Um, 
uh, Aaron Boone had his mask mm-hmm. over his mouth, but not his nose. Uh, players would have like their masks dangling or no mask at all. It's like, why have it if you're not going to wear it? You know, look, here's the extended dugout where no one is sitting because they're all bunched on top of each other. The Brewers and the Cubs, one of the issues with there not being crowd noise is you can hear everything everyone is saying. <laughs> and the Brewers and the Cubs have a little bit of a rivalry you may have heard of this and they were just nipping at each other and catcalling each other and the whole wow. thing and the benches kind of started to clear a couple times and they oh, almost no. had to like jump in there and send everybody back more than once because people you can get set off sooner because it's not i mean two guys got hit by pitches one on each team so there was everyone's like hyper about that and so people you know they're there's warnings. It's like, what's going to happen is if this happens and it looks like it's for real, people will be ejected or suspended or those kinds of things. Fighting, not allowed. Like fighting's ever really been allowed. But the ups had to like jump in the way more than once. So this, I meant to ask you about this actually, because I was totally noticing the bullpen situation. I thought that they were supposed to be like spread out in the, in the stands or not bullpen, whatever dugout, that thing yep. where they're all hanging out together. I thought they were supposed to be, there's like all this room for them to go, but they're not, they're all hanging out together. I swear to God, I saw Yankees high-fiving. I swear to God, oh, I dude. saw Gary Sanchez taking his mask off and spitting. I, I don't, what the fuck? I saw, I can't remember who it was, a player pull his mask down in order to put his fingers in his mouth and whistle. Oh, God. Right? Hi. You're not, you don't understand the science. You have not had the science explained to you, my friend. Um, Anthony Rizzo, however. Yes, I was going to say, like, this guy has it together. Anthony Rizzo, first baseman for the Cubs, my uh, former boyfriend from I don't remember which year, had hand sanitizer on him that he gave to the guys as they came to first base, which is really adorable and very admirable. And yeah, he was doing it just to joke around. But I I just think that's really endearing. Another funny Anthony Rizzo thing, apparently he's lost some weight. I don't know. He's like more fit this year. And he was on a dock. I don't know why. I don't know where. But he flung his hands and his wedding ring flew off into the lake. Oh, and he he hired a diver who actually found it, which is remarkable. Yeah. Wow. But I guess if you have enough money to hire somebody. But the diver even said that this is a really kind of amazing find that they got. Wow. It. Moral of the story, like keep track of your wedding rings, especially when you're going through weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. One more thing about how this that these games have been different is that the official scores for the games are not in the ballpark they are scoring from home they have custom setups that allow them to see different angles on the plays than you are seeing watching mlb network or the hated espn or you know whatever whatever medium you're using to watch games the scorers have more angles because remember they're the ones who are deciding could this play have been made or is it an error you know Mm -hmm. so they need to be able to examine plays closely working from home i'm thinking huh I should try to get good at this because that, that would be a cool, cool job from home, right? There you go. Yeah, I was listening to the Red Sox audio, whatever, their radio feed today, and they were talking about how that's what they're going to do when the when the Red Sox are, are away, that they're using video that they're going to yeah. have. And they're like, this is going to be weird. We have to call the, ra- the the game for radio through a video feed, which is just... Oh, yeah, the commentators, thing. right. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, so commentators, I think the radio guys... 
in some cases are allowed to travel. The TV guys are not, but it huh. could be that that different teams are have are might be more restrictive yeah. than the than the MLB um, guidelines. Well, Joe so, Castiglione is older than Dirt, so that's the Red Sox radio dude. So he's I he's not going to be put at risk at all. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's let's, let's be safe, everybody. So let's talk about more specific health things. Yeah. Opt out of the week. Colin McHugh, Mr. Spit. We talked about him last week because he gave us a tour through Fenway Park and showed us exactly how the spitting is done. And, you know, to give my Red Sox a little bit of uh, credit for losing two games to the O's, uh, he's opting out. And actually, Red Sox pitching is is pretty fucked. Between him opting out, which is not exactly for COVID issues, he had, I don't understand what this means, he had a non-surgical procedure on his elbow in the offseason. And apparently he feels like it needs some more time. Don't know what that means. Don't know if that's code, but he's opting out right now. The the sadder one, though, is Erod, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Venezuelan pitcher, who was actually supposed to be doing opening day. But he had COVID with symptoms and he's having lingering effects like he might have heart damage from this. And that's what fucking terrifies me. So as we're talking about all this, and I know you're going to get into the testing and we can maybe get a little bit more into the weeds here, but I feel like shit watching this. I mean, if it's going to get to the point where somebody's having heart damage, I mean, I, I think that Erod tested before coming in. So I don't think he's like, you know, the six Marlin dudes who got it after the season started, but this is terrifying. It is. It is definitely terrifying. The protocols are actually changing from having to test negative twice in a 24-hour period in order to come back because you know, we talked about um, DJ LeMahieu having that weird thing where his tests kept alternating negative and positive. Mm-hmm. There are some people who continually tr- test positive who medical professionals don't believe actually have it. There's just wow. something going on that makes them look like they have it. So the protocol is actually changing a little bit from what they initially published that if you pass the health board, basically, even if you have a positive test, but the health board clears you, you can come back. Oh, that makes me nervous. But you know what? The tests make me nervous because yeah, there's so right. many like false right. negatives and false positives, and we don't know what's going on. So again, the numbers get released every Friday. So over the past week, ending this past Friday, there were six new positives. Four of them were players. Then today, I think the summary about the Marlins was there were four. I heard six. Okay. Which is scary. Super Some scary. of those may have been from earlier than this last batch. But it's it's at least um, one pitcher and three position players, like starters, right? It's crazy. This is following very quickly on Juan Soto not being mm-hmm. able to play opening day because he tested positive after playing in the exhibition games oh, against God. the Orioles and hanging out with the team. And then Matt Davidson of the Reds just tested positive and he had played the day before he was the dh he had two at bats he was in the dugout there are a couple of guys on the reds like um moose mike moustakis um was a little bit symptomatic today so he's in isolation oh my god symptomatic without a positive test because that's another issue yeah testing is like a two-day return right Mm -hmm. they're they're not getting so soto had two rapid tests done that came mm-hmm. back negative, but MLB doesn't count those. So that was one of the things they talked, to, they talked about the changing protocol because, well, okay, those don't count, but 
what if those are true and he's not really negative? Is there another way we can get him back? Because we don't think he's positive because he's asymptomatic. So they're really pulling a lot, putting a lot of weight on being symptomatic. Two Braves catchers were symptomatic before the home opener. So they called up some of their taxi squad catchers. And one of those was baby Contreras, who ended up being a hero of the game. But again, with the catchers, Right, because that was the Royals, right? They went through three yep. catchers. Yep. That's lots, scary. Lots of catchers. Yep. Can, can't they fucking disinfect the catcher's gear? Like, what's going on? I Well, and that's, but it's your own gear. It's your, you have your own gear. Is it just that they're in, in contact with so many people? That's what I think. So, so, so the Soto thing, like, it didn't cause the Yankees to get additional tests. Um, but Gary Sanchez, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, catcher, said, I, I'm uncomfortable catching yeah. because you know all of these guys were near Juan Soto so what the hell still played I'm afraid like this Marlin situation this is a lot of starter starters what happens does the whole team get knocked out should they maybe I don't know so I'm, I'm with you on the this is a guilty pleasure I'm so yeah. happy watching baseball games and like but 42 percent of me is like this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know, this if, if Sanchez is positive in a couple of weeks, that would be like, I don't know, that should be the end of things because that would mean this yep. is all fucked. Yep. Let's talk about a cheery thing. How about team name changes? Let's talk about racist team names because that's always cheers us up. All right. But it, except for now we get to do away with them. So this is very exciting. Yeah. So um, former boyfriend, Francisco Lindor, sort of was a spokesperson for the Cleveland players who made a choice to, even though they were playing at home, they wanted to wear their road jerseys because their road jerseys said Cleveland. Oh, that's And awesome. not Indians. That um, is And they so said cool. the team had a meeting with their coaches and owners and said, we want to talk about racial issues. We want to talk about social justice. And this is the decision we made. We want to start the season from a good place. Um, There's a question of whether MLB will allow them to continue doing that because there's some rules about where you can, when and where you can wear which uniform. So I don't know how much leeway they have. Maybe they can come up with a new home uniform. I don't know. But interestingly, you know, I follow some Cleveland, like local Cleveland level blogs and things. And Mm -hmm. a lot of fans, the fans who don't want the name to change, turned on Lindor, their freaking hero. And really? said, how does he get to speak for the team? He's going to be a free agent. He's not even going to be with the team. So his opinion shouldn't count. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. So um, in uh, cross-training with uh, the National Football League, the Washington football team has changed their name to the Washington football team. Which is I how we've been referring to them for a very long time. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, us, us and a lot of folks. Um, how about that Atlanta team? The Atlanta team is baby steps, right? They didn't uh, they didn't commit at all to looking at a name change, but they did remove this big chop sign from outside of their stadium. So if they actually get rid of the chop completely, you know, with no fans, it's kind of hard to tell, that would be an important step. There's talk about keeping the name Braves, but having it mean something different, and that's going to take a shit ton of marketing. I'm very skeptical, but... At least they're doing something, you know, yep. applause, yep. applause for baby steps. Yep. 
Hey, do you remember last week when I said, here's what Toronto should do? Because at the time they were looking at Buffalo and then since then they were looking at other places and now they're looking at Buffalo again. Do you remember that I said, hey, I know how they can get their their um, stadium in Buffalo ready to go. I said, hey, they're playing here in D.C. for two games and then then Washington's going to go there for two games. Maybe they should mm-hmm. play all four games here in D.C. Guess what? That's what they're going to do. Absolutely. I was right. I called it. Yep, yep. And I even said that there was the Buffalo Wild Wings down the street so they can feel like at home. That's right. And if we can get them to change the name to Buffalo Wings for this season, then we will be at a big, big win. Hey, real quick, those expanded playoffs that the players did not agree to because of how the negotiations turned out, they ended up agreeing to um, last minute this past week. So there will be 16 out of 30 games in the uh, playoffs this year, which will be fascinating. And I'm going to leave it there because I much would rather talk about grooming. Yeah, I know there are a lot of people with opinions about playoffs, but I have more opinions about grooming. Craig Kimbrell, closer for the Cubs, formerly of the Red Sox, known for being one of the so many red-bearded pitchers, has no longer his red beard. I did not recognize him. He needed to do something to change his, uh, I don't know, his performance, I guess, is the way to say it. Cubs fans are not so happy with him these days. But, you know, shaving? That could do it. He looks fine, just not, yeah, not not the guy that I'm used to. But you know who I, I absolutely adore? This is like, I, I, he might end up being a for, forever boyfriend, just sort of in my heart, is Kike Hernandez of the Dodgers. He was my first season baseball boyfriend from the Dodgers. He is rocking the stash, man. Did you Did you see him? I did, and I hate it so much. Do you? Oh I my do. god! It's like I, the Freddie I'm not Mercury a, I'm not a mustache. Fan. Yeah, and I don't like. I, you know, yeah. I think it, it is, fits and I don't like Kike, it. It fits the Kike persona though, because it he does. is just like he's so funny. He is such a card. I, actually, I just saw a, an Instagram post by Justin Turner of this like amazing play that this diving, jumping, flying in the air play, and he wrote uh, that it's a game of inches. And then Kike commented underneath, that's what she said, which is such a Kike comment. I just, I love Kike. It's doing him well, though. He was like the guy of the hour for opening day with four hits and five RBIs. So if a mustache is going to do it, you know, I can be very pro facial hair. Another grooming uh, uh, look, I guess, a grooming look that helped a lot was Dustin May of the Dodgers, who unexpectedly... (laughs) got to pitch opening day because there was that last minute back. Was it back for Kershaw? There was something, something went wrong with Kershaw. And so that was a letdown for many people and they were all nervous about it, but Dustin May pulled it off. He's a rookie and he won opening day. And, and the reason why he's in the grooming segment is he has so much red hair. He just has a shit ton of red hair. He's got the He flow. does. And, you know, I remember him from the playoffs last year where we learned his nickname was Gingerguard because of his long right. red flow, which made me wonder, how is he a rookie? Like he was like a, like a rookies just don't start opening day and this rookie is starting opening day. Like, but I saw him play last year. Luckily, I, I did a little bit of homework and that's because he played 14 games last year. And the key of that, though, is that he played 34.2 innings. And apparently, as long as you stay under 50, that's enough to keep you a rookie the following season. 
So is that like a, a service time thing? Does that like yeah. sort of, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, so, that, that so focused on that, the service time thing for, for hitters. So I didn't know what the, the deal yeah. was for pitchers. So now I know it's 50 innings pitched. And again, back to Kike though, he, uh, he was, he, was I don't know if he was asked or if he just commented on Dustin yeah. May's performance, but he said he wasn't nervous or intimidated by the amount of cardboard we had in the stands tonight. Excellent. I like it. I like it. No extra pressure. Grooming doesn't stop with facial hair or, you know, or flow for us, but it, it considers the whole person, including footwear. And Michael Lorenzen of the Reds, pitcher for the Reds, has um, entered the um, the world of grooming segments on No Crying in Baseball because he wore custom van Vans cleats. They are so for his cool. start this weekend, and they are very cute, and they look like vans that reside in my house. Only the ones in my house don't have cleats on the bottom. So those, those are custom. Vans does not make cleats, so he had to have them professionally cleatified, and I'm glad he did because they look <laughs> freaking awesome. So good they job, totally Michael Lorenzen. I like cleatified too. You totally rocked with that. Thank you. I make with the words. I do. So I I feel guilty. I feel guilty about watching MLB. I'm I'm watching with like the the hand over the eyes and the fingers spread so that I can sort of see through between my fingers. But I am still watching breakfast baseball, and I have no guilt about that. I love the CPBL. It's responsible baseball. It's in Taiwan. The second half of the season just started, folks. If you're not listening or listening, watching. If you're not watching, go watch. Unfortunately, one small channel to watch has just been shrunken a little bit. The Guardians, who I loved because they were such a dependable feed, it was on their their Twitter feed. They are not going to be doing the English broadcast of the weekday games anymore, just weekend. And that's because you guys aren't fucking watching. Come on, please watch because I want my baseball. I want my breakfast baseball. Just go to Twitter, look for 11 sports, and it's free baseball that you can have with your coffee, and it's fantastic. And I I actually got a prize because I was following all of the Taiwanese baseball stuff. My baseball boyfriend in Taiwan, Lin Anko, who is amazing from the Lions, he's I picked him because I thought he was a, or he is a two-way player, but he's just hitting this year. And is he hitting? He is definitely up for rookie of the year. But uh, Clive Sue, who is one of the English language commentators, had a giveaway that you had to post something about the importance of CPBL, how this has gotten you through. And I posted our episode where we first talked about Lin and Co. And we, I won a Lin and Co. autograph ball that I'm going to be getting in the near future. So yeah, yay. you did. You Great. Five. Congratulations. So excited about that. If you want to make sure you don't miss a game at all, CPBL TV has a deal for 30 bucks for the rest of the season. I do believe that's in Mandarin though. So I don't know. That's just if you want to make sure you're getting all the games. So the, the second half of the season just started. Talked about before that the brothers, who are kind of like the Yankees of the CPBL, came back and won the first half. But now we just started the second half. And the Guardians and the Lions, who ended up at the bottom of the four for the first half, are now briefly, very briefly, at the top. They both are two and one. And the Monkeys and the brothers are one and two. But obviously, things are very new. The Lions are looking good, though. They had a really fun day today. And they had a walk-off, which was super exciting. Love me a walk off. And I love me a lion too. The lion, lion and Saba boy, they're just, they were rocking it. Over to Korea, the KBO, um, fans are coming back. A month after they said they were gonna, they're coming back. But that's what happens when a country is careful 
and does things in a very, you know, judge step-by-step way. They waited until it was safe and only three out of the five stadiums, because there's still a couple hotspots in South Korea, had fans back today, 10% starting small. So the, and it's very controlled. You got to have a mask. You got to have your temperature checked, contract tracing. You got to leave all your information. Food is only in the concession stands. And what's really interesting is no chanting or singing, which is much more of a big deal there than here. Because if you've seen any CPBL stuff, there's cheerleaders and singing and chanting not happening. The KBO has promised, though, to do their full season. So even though they started late and there's all this stuff going on, they're doing a full 144 games and no pay cuts. Players get paid what they get paid. The Dinos, which was my pick, are still on top, and they are way on top. Second place now is the Bears, who are five and a half games back. All right. So I got really lucky with those dinosaurs. The Wyverns, my friend, are 21 and a half games back at this point. All yeah, right. Not so much. So I don't know. With 144 games, who knows? There's but- plenty of time. <laughs> Bumpy roads lead to beautiful places. That's that's right. That's right. And they're not in last place. The Eagles are 29 games back. All right. Wow. So there's just baseball everywhere now. This is so exciting. Yeah. Hey, so um, there's lots of baseball all at all hours now. But if you find yourself away from a place to view baseball, but you can hear things this week, I'm going to recommend that you go back and you find our full interview with Cat Williams from last week. We released it separately from our regular episode. We had so much fun talking to Cat for Women in Baseball Week about her book about um, Isabel Lefty Alvarez and women in baseball in general, and so many things. And she's great. And we want her to be our new best friend. And mm-hmm. we think you'll like that conversation too. So please find that and other past episodes of No Crying in Baseball if you have a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy end of, end of win- Women in Baseball Week. And another woman in baseball who I would like you guys all to support. And actually, you can be the winner of this. Several weeks ago, we interviewed Emily Wilson from Unforgettable. She's a baseball artist. And you can win your choice of Unforgettable. But we need more of you guys to enter. As soon as we get 50 entries, we will announce a winner. But we are not close yet. I know that there are more than 50 people listening to us right now. So each one of you, what you need to do is get on your email, write an email to info at unforgettables.com. U-N-F-O-R-G-E-T-T-A-B-A-L-L-S dot com. And in the subject line, no crying in baseball. Tell your friends, tell people who aren't your friends, because as soon as she has 50 emails, somebody will get the unforgettable of their choice. And I opened a, a box of mine that I've had for a while today, and I did a little video. It's on Facebook. Check it out. I saw that. You're adorable when you do that kind of thing. <laughs> Yay for you. Yay for you. Um, also, in the rest of your spare time after you you enter the contest and listen to Kat's interview and watch a whole bunch of MLB and also international baseball, please also find us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. Write us that long essay that you've had building up for years at NCIBpodcast at gmail.com. Please wear your masks, wash your hands, stay socially distant, stay home if you can, fight the man and say goodnight potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.